Welcome to Profit's Healthcare Transformers podcast, where we'll be talking to leaders in healthcare who are focused on transforming their organizations to drive the next level of growth for their business and for healthcare. Hosted by Priya Anasia, Lindsay Mosby, Paul Schrimpf, and Jeff Gorgi. Transformation is one of those terms that has a lot of layers to it. Sometimes it's about innovation. Sometimes it's about shifting the way you do business. Sometimes it's to your overall operating model. And other times it's to a specific department or function. It's also about people, helping them navigate the discomfort that comes with change, but also motivating them to engage in the journey of transformation from the CEO to the newest employee. It's a journey, and that's why we created this podcast, to break down this multidimensional, dynamic topic of transformation, one story at a time. Are you ready to dive in? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Profit's Healthcare Transformers podcast. I'm Priya Aneja, and today we've got a very special guest, Snezana Mayan, the Chief Operating Officer of Transcarent. Now, many of you will know Transcarent already. If you don't, Transcarent is the first comprehensive health and care experience company that makes it easy to get the high quality, affordable health and care that everyone deserves. Snazana, we're so excited to have you with us and our listeners cannot wait to hear from you. Thanks so much for having me, Priya. You got it. So we'd love to start by just knowing a little bit more about your role at Transcarent and the career path that sort of made you who you are today. And if you're if you're up for it, maybe tell our listeners one thing that they wouldn't know about you from your LinkedIn profile. Sure. I'll tell a little bit about myself and then I'll share with everyone one thing that they may not know about me. So my role here at Transcarent as the Chief Operating Officer, I am responsible for the overall enterprise operations, solutions, um, analytics, digital product, clinical implementations, and success of the overall member experience and engagement. I joined Transcarent in the entire startup world about 10 months ago after spending almost 15 years in the PBM and health plan space. I started my early career in pharmacy as a retail pharmacist at Walgreens, uh, providing clinical care. And then the last 15 years I spent with Express Scripts, Evernorth, and now Cigna, where I had the responsibility of various areas, starting in my early days, uh, my time there with ESI of building outer government programs, offerings, driving operations and enterprise integrations of the various PBM acquisitions that we did over the years to ultimately running um, our overall clinical product and strategy um, for the organization. And I'm extremely passionate, I would say, about healthcare as a clinician, first and foremost, as well as as a business leader in healthcare and the opportunity to do so much more than what we collectively as an industry has done. And that was probably one of the biggest reasons my decision last fall, which was one of the most difficult decisions I made to leave an organization that I absolutely love, to be part of something that is so big and so great, um, to truly attempt to transform the consumer experience in healthcare that nobody has focused on to date and thus me joining this transformational journey uh, here at Transcarent. So that's a little bit about my background. One thing that people may not know about me, in uh, 2018, I had the opportunity to testify in front of the U.S. Senate um, Help Committee on the opioid crisis, and that was probably one of the most incredible experiences I will never forget, uh, testifying in front of the Senate and, and getting a lot of the questions over the last 
few years on what the industry has done, how we can all help improve the management of the opioid um, epidemic across the country. So that's a fun, uh, fun factoid people may not know about me. Wow. Where we live in Connecticut, the opioid crisis has been front and center. So, I mean, that's just really, really important work that you're engaged with. Thanks for sharing it with us. Tell us a little bit more. So beyond where you've collected your paychecks over the years, what are some of the elements that you think have shaped your expertise from the the standpoint of being a healthcare leader and a transformation leader? Oh gosh, there's so many to name. I mean, I would say over the years, probably some of the biggest opportunities that I've had in my career that have shaped me the most in particular, I would say there was this three-year time frame I had uh, back in 2010 to 2013. I had the opportunity to travel the country and really uh, spend a lot of time on the road visiting almost every employer and every health plan in the country. And that was probably the most invaluable experience I had to truly understand who the customers were, who the buyers of healthcare were what the problems they were trying to solve for, um, how they were thinking about the healthcare ecosystem and how the, whether it was a health plan or a PBM or a point solution provider could really help drive them. So really being out there and, and understanding the marketplace and, and being engaged with the purchasers of that care has really helped shape me as a product leader in how I think about problems, how I solve for problems, how I design solutions, the urgency around and the foresight you need to have to develop the next generation of products. So that was probably one of the most um, valuable experiences I've had. The second one I would also share is I went through a lot of change. So being at one of the largest health plans slash PBMs um, in the industry and having that fast paced sort of nature of constantly evolving and constantly transforming, I've probably been part of more transformation initiatives than I would love to admit and sort of talk about. But that has also shaped me because I went through so many acquisitions. In 2009, I was part of a smaller PBM acquisition. In 2012, we had one of the largest PBM acquisitions acquiring Metco, which was a huge transformation that took two years to integrate two companies. Then in 16, I was part of another medical benefit company organization um, acquisition. And then in 2019, sort of got to see another large health plan integrating with the PBM. So I've seen a lot of change, a lot of transformation and what it takes to really continue to, to drive forward, to see optimism and rally the organization to to see change. So I would probably say those are probably the, the two biggest areas that have shaped me in my career and how I see the world and how I now I'm looking to further transform the world here at Transparent. I love that. I, I love that you have that experience being out in the field, talking to people and understanding what their experience is like. At Profit, we spend a, a lot of time just trying to find what that core human insight is that's propelling a behavior change or a need or an attitude that, that they have and how to shift or change the perception of something really kind of resonates with me a a lot. I would love to know more about maybe some of the more recent transformations you've been leading. I hear there's some pretty compelling offers from Transparent now in the oncology space and in the behavioral health space, and you might have had something to do with that. So tell us a little bit more about those and, and what in your mind makes them successful. Yeah, no, thank you for asking that. Here at Transparent, as you mentioned at the beginning, we are laser focused on the consumer. And even when you look at the name Transparent, we stand for transparency, care, and empowerment. 
and that empowerment of the consumer that is lacking today grossly across the industry uh, when you look at them not having the right information at their fingertips, not understanding where to go and where to seek care, constantly feeling lost or confused about what is the highest quality provider? How much will this cost? What is the financial burden that this, whatever the, that diagnosis that I just received is going to sort of create on myself, my family? And so what we're focusing on here at Transparent is delivering these longitudinal holistic care experiences that put the consumer at the center. And so you mentioned oncology and behavioral health. Those are two areas that we see a tremendous amount of um, focus and need in the marketplace today. First one, let's talk about oncology. When you look at COVID over the last two years, we have seen a exorbitant amount of members across the US that have not been getting any care because of delayed care. They didn't get into the doctor's office because of COVID. They couldn't get the right screenings or treatments. And so now we're expecting that by 1125, cancer is going to be the number one leading cause of death. And when you think about that staggering statistic, Employers are extremely concerned about how am I going to be able to pay for that care? How am I going to be able to deliver the right care and provide the right support for my employees as they go through that influx of cancer diagnoses that we have delayed over the last couple of years? And we felt it was important to have a longitudinal oncology care experience that was going to be doing exactly that, aligning ourselves with the consumer and the employer to give them the opportunity to really manage the broader healthcare ecosystem. And so our solution is comprised of every element that you can possibly think of a consumer would want to see and have access to as they're going through one of the most difficult journeys of their life, all the way from you know initial diagnosis to getting a second opinion, to getting the right pharmacological treatment, to getting the right social and emotional support, to having the right benefit um, support from their employer, and then taking them down to the success of hearing the words of you're in remission and how do you then get re-immerse yourself back in, into, into, into the employment world. So that's kind of the spectrum of what we talk about that longitudinal experience. We take that same uh, playbook when you think about behavioral health, similar. We have seen a lot of challenges. I mean, behavioral health has always been a huge need um, in the industry for decades, but it has been exacerbated over the last couple of years with COVID, where it doesn't matter what age band you are, whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager, whether you are a middle-aged adult or you're a senior, everyone has experienced the impacts of COVID differently. And so the need to have a more extreme support around that behavioral health spectrum is what we're designing. So in the lower end acuity, whether you need basic stress management or resilience management support to all the way to higher acuity needs, and most important access. That is the number one problem we continue to see today in the industry is that consumers do not have appropriate access or timely access to care. And that is something that we're guaranteeing that every member is part of our transparent experience. We'll never have to wait more than three days to get an actual appointment with a behavioral health specialist, whether it's a psychologist, a psychiatrist, whatever help that they need that we're there for them. So really thinking once again about that longitudinal care journey. And you're going to see much, much more from Transcarent as we continue to expand these longitudinal care experiences, um, putting the consumer at the center and giving them the care that they deserve. And most importantly, the experience that they love and expect and demand in healthcare today. Yeah. When you think about leading some of these transformation efforts, 
What were some of the biggest mindset shifts that you had to maybe engineer on the organization? Yeah. I mean, anytime you talk about transformation, it's hard. And anybody that says <laughs> that it's not is probably lying to you. I mean, it's hard. And But there's so many different elements, right, that you need to think about to make transformation more effective and successful within an organization. The first one is having the right vision and purpose. And, and that really being the catalyst to help drive the entire organization of the why. And the purpose has to be big enough and bold enough and worthwhile enough to do in order to get so many people in the organization to be bought into it. So, you know, being in a startup world, we're a mission-driven organization. And so you get that excitement from the employees that we get the vision. We all would agree, right, that the healthcare experience today is no good for anybody that has ever experienced it. And so you kind of have that as the catalyst to say, I'm in. That's the first part. The second is driving the urgency. You can never wait to transform. And I've seen too many organizations over the years that you kind of wait until the last minute to drive transformation. Transformation should be an evolution. It should be done all the time. And so having that adaptability and continuing to, to drive that is really important. And then the last piece is having a plan for the sustainability of it. Because you can have the greatest grand visions and the greatest plans and charts and presentations, but if you don't have a mechanism to actually execute and then sustain that execution is where most transformations fail. And so that those are probably some of the key areas that I continue to focus on here within our organization to ensure that we're always at the cusp, that we have that urgency, that we're staying true to that vision and that mission. And then we have a plan to constantly kind of monitor and see, did we deliver what we said we hope to deliver? Did we execute? And then how do we sustain the things that went well? And how do we say goodbye to the things that didn't go well and say, well, this clearly didn't work. Let's go to plan B. And so constantly having that eye towards movement and, and never, never holding, holding still. That's a really important thing, I think, for our listeners to take away. Too often we think of transformation as a point in time. It's a, an effort. It's a project. It's initiative that someone is leading. But it's an ongoing thing, right? If you're doing it the right way, you're always thinking about it and you're always thinking about how do I how do I build with an eye to the future so that I'm, I'm building out for the next 10 years and not just the next six months? Right. So those are great, I think, learnings for our listeners. As someone with a lot of experience with transformation, it's big T transformation, little t transformation, innovation, disruption, pick your kind of word of the month. What do you feel are some of the biggest misnomers that people have when it comes to leading a transformation or engineering a transformation? Yeah, I would probably say exactly to the points that you were just making. The first one, when I reflect back on my career, typically when people hear the word transformation, uh-oh, like something bad is happening. We either, it's a workforce reduction or, or we're cutting jobs or, or, we're, or we're needing to transform because what we have been doing hasn't been working. And so taking that negative aspect of that connotation of transformation to making that part of your broader organization, that this is just how we operate. And so that probably is, is the biggest misnomer. And then sometimes you don't have the buy-in from many parts of the organization, in particular where I've seen transformation struggle is in the mega organizations where it is challenging to communicate and reach 
everyone that needs to be part of or understand or maybe have a piece of that sustainability or that action plan month seven when it is going to get to your department. So really being purposeful and understanding sort of initially of what are all the areas that need to be part of this transformation? How do you get them to buy in? How do you get them to see that this is a positive, not, not a negative sort of connotation? And how do you make it part of their day-to-day DNA? And then really the last piece is sort of getting that buy-in from the leaders in the organization. So it usually starts at the top, gets driven down to the next level and the next level of the organization. How do you give them the right tools and tips to then drive the proper execution of that transformation within the respective areas? And I would probably say those are probably some of the biggest ones that I've seen that sometimes can either go really well or not so well. And more and more studies are being published about transformations gone wrong or failed transformations. Why do you think so many are failing? (laughs) I would probably say it goes back to the three things that, that I talked earlier. The first one is that the vision and the mission and the clarity wasn't clear enough, wasn't bold enough, and wasn't in some cases communicated as well throughout the organization. And When you don't have that first piece, that initial buy-in, it literally becomes 12 months, some cases two years of wasted work, 15 white papers, 57 presentations that don't go anywhere. And that actually sometimes can be the most demoralizing thing to many members and employees of organizations who say, oh gosh, I spent so much time of my life, my personal life focusing on something and that didn't go anywhere. And so really understanding that those failures and some of those impacts and using some of those lessons early on and designing the transformation plan up front so you don't end up in that place. And I think a lot of organizations don't plan enough, are not always living in the world of transformation and that sort of agility and that that mental kind of like math gymnastics that you're constantly doing to say I constantly should be evolving are the ones that I would say struggle with that transformation. So the vision has to be there. It needs to be clear. And probably the biggest one where organizations fail is the lack of prioritization. I cannot emphasize prioritization enough. You know, usually when you get people in a room and you say, rah, rah, let's transform, you get a lot of grand ideas that get put on a page and without any plan on prioritization and what should go first, stage one, stage two, stage three, we do stage one, did it yield the results that we wanted? Okay, let's move on to stage two, let's move on to stage three. That stage gating process With too many organizations, you just throw it all on a page and then you sort of expect a different type of an outcome. So that prioritization is probably another key element that I think a lot of organizations miss. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have an interesting thesis at Profit, which is a lot of the transformation in healthcare isn't happening in the traditional industry sectors of payer, provider, pharma, right? But instead, it's happening at the unique sort of melding points between those different silos and sectors. And we're noticing four spaces in particular that are kind of opportunity areas. One, we would call the consumerization of healthcare. Two is sort of the expansion of everywhere care, right? So outside of the hospital, into the home and virtual and so on and so forth. Three is value-based care. And four is the democratization of data. I would be curious for your thoughts on 
kind of what's required for transformation success in those four spaces, knowing that you've dabbled in many of them throughout your career? Yeah, no, that's a great call out. And it's you're exactly right. Everyone knows that those are the four areas um, we have to focus on. If you don't put consumers at the center, good luck, right? You're, You're not going anywhere. We need to evolve as an industry from fee-for-service to value-based care. We've been talking about value-based care for 20 years. Very few organizations have actually delivered on it. We all know that data is everything um, to actually delivering engageable you know, methods and, and identifications and targeting of the consumer to actually take action on anything, to coordinate the proper care, to share information. And so all of those are known facets. The challenge of why the innovation around those areas in some cases hasn't happened or cannot happen in some of the large sort of traditional institutions is because they are so big. There's so many areas, there's so many platforms, there's so many systems, there's so many different transformation initiatives and projects and communications and expenditures that needs to go in to actually transform a consumer-centric view across 17 different departments and 100,000 employees, it's very challenging. And so what you, what you have started to see, especially over the last, last decade, is a lot of these startups that have emerged in these smaller microcosms where you have all of those departments, you have a, a small department that's focusing on the consumer and the data and analytics team and the data science and health economics, and you've got the financial actuaries who are really thinking about that value-based care. And they're able to design the sort of right construct out of the gate without the bureaucracy and the processes and the stage gating, the committees and everything else that sort of typically happens in the large organizations to design a blueprint that actually can now be scaled without the barriers that exist in sort of some of the legacy um, institutions that play such a critical role in healthcare today. It's just the construct that they're in is making it next to impossible for them to sort of really evolve in all four of these areas and to truly transform healthcare, you need to do it across the board. So you're going to start seeing a much greater emergence of organizations that are going to be focusing on these things in a much, much smaller um, ecosystem initially that is then going to evolve over time. And and they are going to be able to show that this is possible. You just have to do it a different way. When it comes to you know, the consumer space specifically, and, and you've had, you know, so much experience on the B2B side as well. I'm just curious, what needs to work differently in order to be successful in the consumer space from your perspective? I would say from a consumer perspective, the first one is giving them the right tools. Consumers today, they want information at their fingertips. And unfortunately, in healthcare to date, they haven't been able to get all of the information readily or easily like they are and everything else. I mean, think about it. Every other aspect of our life, and, and I think COVID has certainly accelerated that where you can now order your food, you can order your groceries, you can order your clothes at the click of a button, you can shop, you can decide what color, what price, what day. And in healthcare, you don't get any of that, right? It's a black box. You, you schedule an appointment with the doctor, you have no idea what that visit is going to cost. You have no idea what a procedure, if you're being told you're going to need to have a diagnostic test and then maybe a, a radiology test, and then you're going to need to have a follow-up visit with a specialist, and you don't understand the quality of that provider, where today, right, you use ratings of a particular consumer good that you're trying to buy. You never buy anything in the consumer good space unless you read a review. In healthcare, unfortunately, 
consumers have not been given access to all of that information. And so we're slowly starting to see, especially now with the price transparency requirements that have gone in as of 7-1 of this year, consumers for once are going to start seeing more of that information to make the right decisions and to be empowered like they are in everything else that they shop for from a consumer goods standpoint, healthcare shouldn't be any different. And so we're gonna start seeing a transition in the consumers by giving them more tools, giving them information, and then giving them the right guidance on how to then seek out the right care, identify the right providers. And I think if we do that, we're gonna start seeing a much more engaged consumer, a much more happier consumer, and a much more clinically you know, better outcomes focused consumer once we give them all those tools and that information. And I would say that's probably one of the most exciting things that we're going to see over the next five years in the consumer-centric world of healthcare. Certainly something to, to look out for, for sure. I know that we have only a couple of minutes left and I wanted to ask if there's anything we, we didn't ask you about that you want to share with our listeners or any advice you have for leaders who want to oversee transformation? Yeah, I mean, I would say a a few pieces of advice. The first one is make it about the user and the consumer. And I cannot stress that enough. Too often for too long over the last two to three decades in healthcare, have people been too focused on their business? It's all about the business, right? Is it the right profit margins? Is it the right you know, line of business that we're focusing on. And I think consumers have been left out of the equation. And so as companies are looking to transform, whether it's digital transformation, consumer transformation, whatever the focus of your company is, put the consumer at the center. And if you achieve an experience that they love, that should be our barometer of a delightful experience. Everything else is is going to go really well. The second advice I would give is focus on your company and develop a culture of adaptability. That adaptability, I cannot stress enough, is the employees that you're hiring, and especially now in a talent war as we look about bringing talent into our organization, that you bring in talent that is adaptable and flexible. And I say this all the time, internally and externally, our biggest threat internally in an organization that's trying to do transformation is status quo. Employees who just want to keep doing things the way they've been doing it for years. That is the biggest threat in terms of that status quo. And then externally, that lack of adaptability of employers or whoever the customer is that you're trying to sell services to, that they're not willing to change and to try something different because they're afraid and they want to stay with the status quo. And so that adaptability is so important and that willingness to to go further, to stretch further, to try something new is really important and to never be afraid of disruption because if you are, you are gonna get disrupted (laughs) and that's a guarantee. And so always having that urgency and that will to be flexible and adaptable. That's excellent. You know, we, we talk often about you know, companies being transformative, but the truth is people are the ones that are that are transformative. They're the ones that are leading the transformation. There's some cultural traits that um, I think set leaders in transformation apart that you've pointed out really nicely. This was wonderful, Snazana. You have given our, our listeners a lot of insights and uh, we're just grateful that you were able to spend some time with us today. Thank you again for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Profits Healthcare Transformers podcast. This podcast is produced by Jared Johnson and his wonderful team at Shift Forward Health. And a big thank you to our hosts, Priya Anasia, Lindsay Mosby, Paul Schrimpf, and Jeff Gorgie. 
If you like today's episode, you can find more great content like this at profit.com slash thinking. I'm Anna Kuno, the senior editor of this podcast. Thank you for listening.